RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour, your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, the president of Valor Fights, Tim Loy. Welcome to the Valor Hour, episode 101. I am your host, Tim Loy, as always, joined by co-host, Justin Watson. we got Greg Hopkins on the line with us tonight. Busy show. Up first, we're going to chat with the Seagoat, Anthony Cochran, coming off of his win last weekend at Valor 55. After that, our picks panel will discuss the uh, the Valor 55 a bit. We'll go over that in detail and everyone's picks. And then finally, we will recap UFC from Brazil last weekend and do our picks and preview for the UFC pay-per-view number 234 coming up this weekend. So without further ado, let's get to the phone and our guest for this week is the Seagoat, Anthony Cocker. Okay, on the line, we have got rising prospect Anthony, the Seagoat, Cochran, coming off of his latest victory. It went down this past weekend at Valor Fighting Challenge number 55. Fight night at the Joe. Finishes off a very tough Ethan Robinson in the first round of the submission. Anthony, how's it going tonight? It's going good, man. Just out here enjoying what's slowly becoming a beautiful night. Yeah, no doubt. It was uh, the past couple of days have been uh, felt real nice out, no doubt. Uh, so, uh, of course, you're coming off of uh, the, the aforementioned win over Ethan Robinson. Uh, this is your first time on the Valor Hour, so uh, I guess before we dive into your win, uh, let's let's uh, get our listeners acclimated with uh, your background. For those that aren't familiar with you, this is of course was your first time fighting on a Valor event, but your third fight overall. So you know you've been fighting over the past year or so. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, you know how you got uh, how you got into MMA and any kind of background you had as a as a young uh, uh, as a baby seagull like a, a sea kid I guess as it were. With me, it started. Believe it or not, I was a huge pro wrestling fan. Oh, likewise. And I mean, growing up, like my favorite was always Dave Batista, and me and my best friends, we. We both wanted to get into pro wrestling, but then I stopped growing at 5'5", five, five, and I'm like, well, yeah. that's, that's probably not the best career choice at this point. So I'd started doing AAU wrestling in high school, fell in love with it, just being a part of the team, going through learning. Uh, there's just something about going one-on-one with somebody that... There's no other experience like it in the world. And it went from there. And then after high school, life kind of slowed down. I got a job. Uh, I just missed being a competitor. And my wife is actually what got me to start training in MMA because of Christina Roadhouse Ricker. Oh, okay. We knew her through. Yeah, we knew her through a mutual friend, and she was going scrolling through Facebook one day, and she's like, hey, do you remember Chris? I'm like, yeah. He goes, she just had her first fight in MMA, and I'm like, what? <laughs> and then after that, uh, we looked up who she was training with. We got in contact with them, and the following week, I had my first class, and 
it's literally become all-encompassing, all-consuming, and literally, if Eric would let me move into the gym, I would, I would pack my bags right now. I'm not even gonna lie. I love it. If I didn't have to make money, I wouldn't go to work. <laughs> but so, that's that kind of gets us up. To, that kind of gets us up to here, huh? Yeah, that is the ropes. Well, the sea so far. Right, that's the sea so far, no doubt. So you know, you had a you had a big win. You submitted Ethan Robinson, and uh, you had to earn it. You know, it was it was he was a real tough guy. Uh, it was his debut. And uh, talk a little bit about the win. Talk a little bit about the atmosphere. That was a, a pretty wild and uh, raucous crowd at the at the Cotton Eye Gym. Right, well, first I would like to thank you guys for putting on one heck of a production. It was super fun fighting for you guys. I loved, I loved every minute of it. It was just an experience in and of itself. But, oh man, my wife, uh, she showed me the video today of the aftermath of the fight. And I'm like, I do not recognize the guy I'm staring at. And <laughs> it's me. <laughs> uh like you said, Ethan Robinson, he he's a heck of a dude inside the cage and out. My head is still sore from where he was punching me. And uh, he made me work for it. That There was a couple times, either when he had me in the guillotine or when he was fighting for that triangle. That, but uh, there was a couple times when he was either fighting for that triangle or that guillotine that I was, like, going in and out. I, uh... Anthony, tell tell us something. Tell us about your your nickname, how it came about, like, because you you like okay. Now you, you 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 answered one of my questions. I was wondering where all the charisma came from because you were off the wall. Uh, you're a showman. You, you you I don't I think that after you you walked in, you know, you you, you gain a lot of fans by wearing your hat, right? So like the the Jack Sparrow hat. I want you to tell me all about you know your persona. The seagoat, like I want, that's what I'm more interested in right now. We know we we watched you we watched you whoop up on Saturday. I want to know about you know the seagoat. All right, I've had a couple people ask this question, and it comes from Shamir Peshawa. I was hanging out with her, my wife, and one of her clients from Marvel My Fitness, and uh, we were just hanging out chilling before class and they started reading the dark sides of the Zodiac. And when they got to me, they asked me what mine was and I'm a Capricorn. And the first two lines were a soulless seagoat devoid of emotion. And anybody who knows me knows that I'm like a pretty chill, fun loving guy. So that was the complete opposite of anything that I've ever been remotely called. So it was just That's like a running gag. Say, yeah, they say most Capricorns are boring people, and you're completely opposite of that. You're a person. Oh, thank you. I try to be entertaining. That's one of the main reasons I entered the sport. 
It was certainly one of the more. Uh, I mean, honestly, I can't think of a better entrance on the night. It was uh, uh, the, the the full black sails theme. Uh, you know, you had the you had the coat, the hat. It was uh, the, you know the cr- a crazy crowd. Definitely, uh, definitely one of those uh, moments that we won't forget uh, about the night. Now it's going to be a quick turnaround for you. I guess we can we can give some breaking news here. I don't think this has been dropped on Facebook yet, but I'm the matchmaker, so I know it's official. Uh, and I'm 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 assuming you know that you're fighting again here in just a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. I learned pretty much after my fight that I had one line back up, and I was like, "All right, I'm ready to do this." Let yeah, quick turnaround. Uh, you're going to be fighting your most experienced opponent yet. You'll be taking on Micah Downs, who comes in uh, out of the same group uh, in Alabama that had uh, that had Jacob Wright and Mary Rosen back up there, and they are they definitely showed that they are their game. Oh yeah, those those are some tough guys. I'm ready for anything. Uh, this one's also going to be at the Joe, so I guess I'm going to be the hometown favorite in this scenario. But absolutely, man. Well, it's going to be uh, it's going to be coming up at uh, Valor fifty uh, Valor fifty uh, fifty six this time, and uh, of course, this one will be a pro am, so you'll have more teammates on the card. Of course, your buddy Slick Nick Gertz is going to be main eventing. We'll have Shannon Young on the card, Dre Miley, a few other of your amateur teammates. So it'll be uh, it won't just be you solo. You'll have uh, several teammates on the card. Looking forward to to how it all goes down, and if we get uh, half of the action that we got uh, from this last card, I think everybody will be will be. Uh, really happy uh, before we let you go i want to let you give some shout outs where they're due any kind of sponsor love any sort of uh training partners or, or whoever you want to give shout outs to and also where people can follow you on social media all right my shout outs will go to my coaches eric turner and zoe Z- zonar they've literally helped me since i first walked in before i knew how to throw a punch really uh Dre Miley has become a mentor to me in the last year and a half, and he's also become one of my best friends. Nick, Ninja Nick Wigley, who's not with me on the last card, he's probably the person who kicks my butt the most at the gym. And literally, I love each and every one of my teammates and all my friends and family who have come to support me and all the crazy things that I do. My wife, she has the biggest and most full-hearted thank you, literally putting up with all of my crazy notions and dealing with me on a day-to-day scale because that cannot be easy. No doubt, man. We're excited to see you throw it out here at the next Valor. Uh, congratulations on that win. You moved to two and one. And uh, best of skills coming up on this next one here uh, on uh, March the 1st. Once again, this has been Anthony Cochran. Say, thanks so much for the time, Anthony. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. All right, it is time for our official Valor 55 recap. We've got the Pigs panel back on here, reconvening after last week. And, man, i got to say, everyone is doing pretty good. Uh, we, we didn't recap the scores uh, of Valor 54 from the Coliseum a few weeks back, so I'm going to go ahead and do that first. Uh, and, and we had a two-way tie for first place coming out of that first week. Jeff Hobbs and Greg Hopkins, both 14-3. and three. Very, very solid. Mark Mark Law is just one behind him. 
at 13 and four. So everyone had a really good, a really good night there at Valor 54, just one pick separating. And of course, Charlie, if anybody's keeping score, Charlie Alexander, before we were cut off, was three and one, uh, but he hadn't gotten into the meat of the car just yet. So we're not going to give him too much credit for that. Uh, so uh, going into uh, to Valor 55, it was a it was a cl- it was a close race. It was a log jam at the top, and uh, of course we've got the panel back with us: Jeff Hobbs, Greg Hopkins, Mark Laws, uh, and then of course uh, David uh, David Robbins did the picks uh, with us as la- uh, as well last week as kind of our our rotating guest slot. So we'll get to his as well. Man, crazy night of action at the Cotton Eye Joe, guys. It was uh, it was electric all night long. Got to give props to my man Jeff Hobbs, who was the announcer, and he really had the crowd just hype all night. I was I was loving it, and uh, man, the action really delivered. It was one of those cards where just the later we got in the in the show, the the, the more and more brutal these fights got. You know, you had we had a lot of first round finishes early, but then in the last like five, six fights, like everything was going to the second, third round. And even if we got a finish, it was still, you know, late in the fight. Uh, we started off with the teens, as uh, as we are uh, oftentimes do. Uh, Zachariah Hammock after Shield Systems improves to five and zero now as a junior uh, Muay Thai fighter. Uh, he defeats Jacob Hatfield by unanimous decision, um, and th- this was a fight that was really uh, it, it was it was it was competitive. But I uh, I had Hammock winning all three of the rounds. Hatfield did a good job staying in there, I thought, but uh, and and actually got off first a lot of times, but he didn't handle the clinch. As well as uh, Hammock, in in my opinion, anyway. Uh, let's uh, we'll start it off over here. Uh, let's get uh, the the take uh, from Greg Hopkins. We were sitting there side by side, calling this one on commentary. Uh, what did you think of these young men? Uh, entertaining for the most part, and actually, both of them really showed up. But uh, I, I didn't expect much from either guy because they're you know they're so young. But this is the two guys that we were talking about were like sixteen, right? Like yeah, they were si- there. Uh, yeah, sixteen and fifteen, I think. Yeah, these guys went off early. Like it was to kick off a valor show, like a you know a, a, an amateur card of professional fights, and you're fifteen, sixteen years old fighting at a bar is a way to open a show, and that's pretty badass, man. They both these guys showed out. I enjoyed watching that 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 kickboxing bout. That was awesome. And you know it's got to be uh, it's got it's got to be great experience for these kids as they get ready to by the time they turn eighteen they're gonna have already been under the lights in front of a, in front of crowds. Uh, I imagine a lot of the guys uh, nowadays would have loved to have had the opportunity to do that as as kids. Let's see here we go on what's that? Sorry, Greg. No, I was just gonna say since like that fight like we you know we posted on Facebook and everybody's seen it. And I've had you know so many. Young young men from I'm not gonna say kids, but you know I mean yeah. Of course, moving on. What's that? Did I interrupt you again? Yeah, I was just saying that. We'll we'll take this whole thing out right here. Let's move on. Okay. (laughs) All right. Our computer's training again. Our second bout of the night, this one, uh, we had uh, Jake Phillips taking on Zach Wright. Well, before I say that, everyone on the panel was correct in picking Zach Wright hammock there. Jake Phillips uh, was up next. He defeats Zach Wright, the hometown guy uh, of Shield System. Jake Phillips was making his debut uh, out of North Georgia High Stand. Zach Wright out of Shield Systems. Had, he was coming in uh, with with 1-0 and record. Phillips, I think, only 18 years old. It was his first competition. Really good action back and forth in the first round. Wright may have even won the first round. Can't really recall, but I feel like he may have. Um, 
But in round two, he really started to slow down. Phillips kept the, the pressure on. He hurt him, and Wright kind of wilted once uh, once he kept the attack on. Jake Phillips upsets the hometown guy. Round two, TKO, about a minute and a half in. And, uh, man, Phillips had a large crowd there. That It wasn't like uh, Wright had the – it sounded to me like there was a lot of people from Dalton there. Uh, Jeff Hobbs, your take. Yeah, I mean, this was uh, – <clears throat> I, know, I know I got this one wrong. Uh, you know, so it was, uh, was kind of surprising, uh, you know, to see the uh, shield systems guy go down, I, I, if I remember correctly, and, and I'll go ahead and apologize now, you know, kind of doing a, a, a new thing on fight night. And, uh, you know, as soon as I got out of the cage, kind of preparing for the next one, uh, I didn't get to watch a lot of them as closely as I wanted to. <clears throat> this one stands out to me, though, because I do remember the corner of, uh, of Zach Wright. Uh, really, it seemed frustrated that uh, he wasn't listening in those later rounds or not. He wasn't able to do what he was being instructed to do. And I'm sure it's not out of, you know, stubbornness as much as just, you know, when you've, like you say, gotten fatigued and completely out of your game plan and things aren't going your way, it's probably hard to just pull the trigger on what you know needs to be done when someone else across from you is, is trying to help keep those things from happening. So, um, yeah, it was a surprise to me, the, uh, the outcome, but um, props to Jake Phillips, man. He showed out. Of course, the panel all missed that win. Goes zero uh, and four. The panel does. Our next bout was scheduled to be heavyweight. It's supposed to be Phelan Booker out of KMA making his debut against Ethan Sanders, Death Row MMA in Crossville. And Ethan Sanders fucking no show. He didn't even show up. Ooh. Yeah, that was bad. He told he told us all the way up until four thirty, the day of weigh-ins. He was on his way. Never shows up, stops responding to my messages, sees my messages. So he's been active. He's made Facebook posts, just stands us up more or less. Uh, so if anybody's out there listening and Ethan Sanders ever wastes your life trying to, to book, don't do that. That kid bugged the shit out of me for over a month begging for a fight and uh, pulls this shit. So, uh, yeah, Ethan Sanders, uh, no, no, no more. Uh, no that. Uh, yeah, fuck him. Uh, Darren Hastings makes his debut in the next fight. KMAA uh, defeats Brandon Nelson round one guillotine. This was a, a an oddly sized uh, matchup here. Hastings, uh, the bigger, taller, longer guy. Nelson, uh, you know, telegraphing takedowns from from the rip. And uh, I think he may have got one or two, uh, but Hastings just too big and strong and locks up that guillotine. Mark, your thoughts. I thought Hastings really looked exponentially better. Um, he finally sunk in that choke and uh, got him out of there. But, man, it seemed like it lasted longer than it needed to. Yeah, it, there were some precarious, you know, both guys still very green. And uh, there were some precarious moments in the in this, in this the stand-up exchanges where I, I still yeah. felt like anything could happen. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Darren Hastings moves to one and zero. Congratulations to him. Brandon Nelson drops his debut, uh, drops to zero and one. The panel uh, was split on this one. Actually, it was two and two. Uh, so we got a little separation there. So a few people took Brandon Nelson uh, based on some David Robbins tip that he was a blue belt that may have been fake news. Not sure. Uh, <laughs> I'll leave that up to you guys to figure out. Um, up next, we had a, uh, I believe we had a, yes, yes, I think the panel was all unanimous in getting this one right, and it was the, it was the out-of-town guy, David, Devin Davis, 
out of Black Lion Studios comes in and defeats Josh Ogle out of the KMAA Pigeon Forge branch round one TKO about two minutes in. And man, this was a good one. This was back and forth. There was a lot of crazy scrambles. Both guys were really strong and just would like kind of he-man themselves out of position and into positions. It was uh, it was a lot of fun for sure. Uh, Greg Hopkins, your thoughts on this one? I've been uh, following Black Lines, you know, their their gym for a while. Like, you know, it's ever since I've uh, you know been to Alabama and whatnot. But uh, I talked with Sam about Devin, and 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 they were just telling me how tough he was and this that other thing. And this is uh, where both of these guys walked into the cage. You knew something something special was about to happen, and you knew one of them was going out. You just didn't know when, because as soon as the bell rung. I think that I might have started out with a little leg kick. I'm not sure, but I know that as soon as as soon as one of them saw an opening, I don't know who threw the first punch, but from there on out, it was nonstop action. And I saw Devin miss an uppercut that it had connected. I think me all the all the uh, commentators looked at each other at the same time. Mm-hmm. I don't know how all four of us caught eyes together. It was just like holy shit, you know. <laughs> and uh, I think Devin ended up getting yeah he did he got he got knocked out of the night right. So I believe he made. Um, Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Okay. But uh, yeah, man, I was, that was that right there. Uh, and then the, the thing was, is after the fight, I mean, I'm pretty sure we all picked the, picked him to win. But like after the fight, he comes over and screams at the commentator. At the commentators, good pick, guys. I was like, what the <laughs> hell? He's going hammer down and fight, just get done fighting. I'm not, I'm not the same mode you are right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was loud. I, I ain't got to see the uh, see the actual video yet with uh, with the commentating on it. So. I'm anxious to see all that. Yeah, you know he would. He uh, he came over with the attitude that like we'd all picked against him. <laughs> yeah, he did. Well, but that's what I thought. He was like, "Nice pick," and I was like, "I was pretty sure we all picked him on the podcast, like, but right? I thought he was ready to fight one of us." Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, props to both guys. That was a lot of fun, and that kind of started set the the tone for for moving on. You know, everything got kind of brutal from there. Devin Davis. Uh, moves to one and zero. We're in talks to have him back at Valor fifty uh, at Valor fifty six coming up. So stay tuned there. Uh, next we had uh, we had Dusty Little Featherfoot from North Knox Ishinru. He moves to uh, let's see, he moves to three and two as he defeats Winter McGowan by triangle just thirty eight seconds into the first round. The panel mainly, uh, I want to say, went with Winter McGowan there. Uh, everyone kind of looked past his 0-1 record, knew that he was a skilled guy out of high stand, well-trained, trained for a while. But uh, if I, if you'd asked me to clock this fight, I would have picked Dusty Little to win a striking exchange or get submitted, and Dusty Little pulls off the triangle himself about 38 seconds in. Jeff Hobbs. Yeah. Um, you know, when Winter came to the cage, I, I can't remember. Are you sure? Did we, how did the picks go on this fight? Uh, most people took most people took winner. I, I want to say maybe one person took uh, uh, took uh, Dusty Little, but for the most part, everybody took winner. Yeah, I, in you know, I'm I'm pretty sure that I took uh, Little on this because I remember uh, as winner was coming into the cage, um, I remember thinking to myself, "Damn, this might be a better fight than what I was thinking it was going to be." Yeah, um, and. Uh, you know, I definitely didn't expect it to end as quick as it did. There's not a lot you can say about it ending as quick as it did, other than, like I said, when Winter came into the cage, I thought, damn, we this may actually be a better fight than what I thought it was going to be. And then, of course, they proved me wrong on that as well. 
<laughs> Dusty Little, uh, like I said, moves to three and two. Winner we're going zero oh and two now, and I, I promise he's a dangerous zero oh and two. So watch out, watch out for that guy. Uh, and, and hopefully we get to see both those guys in there again. Um, up next, we had a short notice fight. Jacob Wright took on Ray Hewlett. Jacob Wright out of that next gen MMA camp in Marshall County, Alabama. He was one and two coming into this, but now he's two and two. Evens his record up with a third round TKO over Ray Hewlett, who was making his debut at a KMAA again this fight taken on short notice and man the first two rounds were really close like super close and both rounds Ray Hewlett ended on on Wright's back in a dominant position just essentially Wright saved by the bell but then the third round Wright comes out Hewlett starting to fade Wright catches him and uh, starts to really tee off on him gets that TKO 42 seconds into it uh, Mark you got uh, a little bit of action on this one towards the end holy shit man I I I was not previously aware of what his teeth looked like previous or prior to him getting in that cage. But fuck, man, when he got out, I was like, whoa, you and Chris might start to scramble your shit, man. It, like, his front tooth was behind his other front tooth and like spiraling around. I don't know what the x-rays subsequently ended up showing, but man, I'd say he probably broke his palatine on like the roof of his mouth that it was fucking so nasty, man. Uh, I remember that. Yeah, I think uh, I think that one was probably our, our most uh, our, our worst one of the night there. Uh, Jacob Wright, though, uh, solid, solid performance. We'd seen him fight in Alabama uh, a year last year, and I was impressed with him. And then I guess he'd fought a couple other places and had lost. So uh, good to see him back at two and two now. Uh, hopefully Ray Hewitt heals uh, back up and gets back in there again. He had a really good showing. He was he was had dominant positions in the first two rounds, uh, just faded there late. Uh, our first ladies fight, it was a flyweight. Sarah Hayes comes in 0-2 out of KMAA, taking on Caitlin Dininger out of Hybrid Martial Arts in Kentucky, out of Lexington there. And uh, Sarah Hayes gets her first win uh, and uh, gives it by unanimous decision. It was uh, all three rounds very, very similar, I thought. Uh, a lot of clinch work, a lot of uh, Sarah Hayes grinding up against the cage. Dininger from time to time would kind of jump into a guillotine or try to jump and catch a guillotine. But... Sarah would would fight that off for a minute or so, and then uh, and then have top control and and lay in punches uh, from the top to end the round. That pretty much was all three rounds. Uh, am I unless I'm missing something? Greg, your thoughts? No, that it was like deja vu around one for two and three. They just, I mean, it went to the cage. You grinded for a minute, and Caitlin was just giving up the takedown every time. And Sarah Hayes was, you know, I mean, even during the commentation, I was mixing up these girls' names because. I, I'm, I'm, I was just getting to know him. You know, one of them was a debut. You know, are they both with debuts, right? Or was no, Sarah was 0-2. She was 0-2. Oh, she was 0-2? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so she picked up her first win. I can tell you, she was excited. That was that little Dynamite fight because we said that, uh, you know, Dynamite comes in small packages or whatnot. And I, I, that one, I don't want to say that it, it was uh, – I, I was expecting um, a lot more striking out of that fight from Caitlin. But uh, – you know, Sarah just closed the distance and got inside and stayed inside and took her down over and over again. Congratulations to Sarah Hayes who gets that first win. Hey, hey, Tim. I do yeah. want to say, too, though, uh, both of these uh, females you brought in from out of town and, and both of these female fights, those had to have been two of the nicest most well, man. Like, I really enjoyed them being there. They were so grateful. They Not like awesome. normal. You get it. When you get an out-of-town fighter and they come and, and they don't, you know, end up 
uh, you know, coming out with a W, they get real salty and everything's the promoter's fault. And, you, you know, uh, and that didn't happen with those two girls. They were two of the nicest girls uh, even after defeat and just were thankful to be there. And I, I saw them, you know, myself along with several other staff members thanking everybody, you know, throughout the night. So those were two good pickups and finds uh, in those two girls. And I would, I'd definitely like to see them if the opportunity presented itself. I know KMA has got a lot of females and bringing those girls back at some point. Absolutely. I'd like to see them maybe go at it uh, with each other. One of them picks up a win, and I think we get a good scrap. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that moves us on to our next one here. Uh, for the record, everybody on the panel took Sarah Hayes, so uh, everyone got that one right. Uh, our next one was at 145 pounds. It was Sean Hammond making his debut out of Blaylock's IMB, uh, taking on Nick Wigley, who was 1-0, uh, KMAA. And uh, Sean Hammond gets a second-round knee bar. Really good first round, a lot of kicks. Those guys were both both had really good moments. But uh, in the second round, Wigley started to fade a little bit. Hammond came on strong, caught a knee bar uh, late. About, uh, there's about 30 seconds to go in the round. But, man, for a debut, this guy looked super polished. Uh, for a guy that's never had a fight, he was uh, – and we knew he was a little older coming in, had some training uh, out in Vegas, as we talked about at Extreme Couture. We also said, you know, you don't always know what you're going to get with the, with these guys. Um, David had chimed in that he was he was super athletic, and, boy, was he. This guy's chiseled, just shredded diesel. And uh, super nice guy, super skilled. Congratulations to him. And Wigley, uh, it takes that first loss, but he, he, he was very competitive and it had some good moments as well. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts? Yeah, this was the one that, uh, man, everybody kind of looked at each other like like maybe we had been hoodooed here. Like, uh, you know what I mean? I, there was one point, I think maybe after the first round, uh, Ovince, who was in Wigley's corner, of course, was sitting right next to my spot, and he grabbed my, my card, and he looked at it, uh, and he gave it back. And in between rounds, he was like, this dude, this dude's supposed to be a debut? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he's – pretty damn skilled and polished for somebody who's never fought before. Mm. And, uh, and I know he didn't mean anything like, you know, by it as if, you know, maybe we had been, uh, been, uh, falsely advertised or he had been so awfully advertised. It was, I think it was more out of respect, you know, but, uh, the guy looked good, man. He looked solid. Uh, that's why he won submission of the night. You know, you got an amateur fighter who's never been in the cage before, uh, and and look as good as he did, as sharp as he was, and then pull out a submission that you don't see that often. I remember, I think, uh, I, when Luke Sanders had lost by knee bar in his third UFC fight, I think at that time they said there had only been six total in the UFC at that time. So uh, it's not an easy submission to pull off. Uh, so I was definitely impressed as well as I think everybody in the crowd was at this guy. So hope, I hope we see him again. There's probably some really good matchups in the Valor cage for me, and if it's something he decides to uh, stick with and continue on, I could I could see some good matchups uh, with with guys that are on the roster right now. Oh, I I, I, I second that 100. percent This guy's immediately going to jump right into into the mix if he wants to and be competitive sure. with with most of your your top amateurs around here just based on what we saw uh, you know this past weekend. He's uh, he's he's put together. Uh, that brings us to our next bout. And, man, I'll tell you what, up until this point, uh, and, and even a little bit further past this point, I noted not one corner had won back-to-back -back fights. Uh, you know, it wasn't one of those cards where it was just the blue corner winning all the way down. 
we hadn't had consecutive winners from the same corner at all to this point, and even another few fights down uh, until that changes. It, so there, neither corner was really able to build any momentum up to this point. It was it was win loss, win loss. Uh, Anthony Cochran, the Sea Goat, uh, an epic entrance and uh, quite the character. He wins with a submission in the first round over Ethan Robinson of G1 Martial Arts, who is making his debut. Uh, Ethan, or I'm sorry, Anthony Cochran moves to two and one now. That was his first time in the Bauer Cage, though, and he is—he's uh, quite the character, Mark. Yeah, man, this that was awesome. He, uh, he went out there, and looked great. You know, uh, thought he transitioned real well, and uh, you know, even though his first a debuter, I really think uh, this kid's got some pizzazz, man. He's gonna have some followers. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. We're going to have him back uh, already here uh, for, for the next Valor, March the 1st. He's going to be taking on Micah Downs out of that next generation MMA camp that brought us Mary Rosenbeck and Jared uh, Jacob Wright this time. So they've showed that they're very scrappy bunch and they're going to come to fight. So I think we'll get another entertaining one there. Uh, our next one, uh, I believe, may have proved the panel wrong unanimously. Yes, Andrew Sturdivant. Comes into Knoxville, pulls off the upset win with a submission. I want to say it was a rear naked choke. Maybe is a guillotine or rear naked choke over Garrett Sharp. Sharp. Rear naked, yeah. Uh, it was Gar- over Garrett Sharp of KMAA uh, with the first round. These were two young bucks, two teenagers that that are just you know really talented up and comers. Sturdivant came in one and two. Uh, off of a loss at the Coliseum to Dylan D'Angelo. He has a quick turnaround, and I think that was the uh, what a lot of the panelists were concerned about is that too quick a turnaround. He comes in there and gets that losing taste out of his mouth and, and knocks the O off of Garrett Sharp's 2-0 and o record, knocks him to 2-1 and one now. Uh, Greg Hopkins, your thought on this win for Andrew Sturdivant? Uh, really uh, impressed by Andrew Sturdivant. I even got to talk with him after the fight because uh, – uh, he really impressed me, and I just want to say, hey, man, I really appreciate you proving me wrong on the podcast and making me look stupid, you know. And uh, he said, well, keep picking against me. I'll prove you wrong every time, brother. And I just really liked that right there, and I kind of kind of became a little fan of Andrew Sturdivant right there after that fight. So, uh, But it was the it, same same time, same same thing, fast pace, uh, real quick. You just – I mean, I just don't like – just how do you hold that, that pace for that long? I mean – it's hard to do that, and he, he gets in so many scrambles in so many situations that he's quick. He's a quick thinker, you know. And I think that was what what the difference was in this fight right here. It was just yeah, a no scramble to get he's got a great a great crowd uh, crowd pleasing fan friendly style. You know, he's not the type that is going to cruise or be looking for uh, for a decision. So interesting to see where he goes from here. You know what? I'd, I'd like to see him and Silas Reynolds next. I think that would be. I think that would be good. Um, That's a banger. That would be really solid. Speaking of bangers, we had our last tie fight of the night up next. This one we used advanced rules, so we got rid of the headgear. Daquan Sutton comes out, gets a split decision victory over Brandon Quindry out of Shield Systems. Sutton remains undefeated, moves to 4-0 and in tie, and he's really just, man, on the rise. This kid is, is impressive out of Newport Combat Club and uh, Pantera core fitness in Morristown. So he's not from the biggest hub, you know. He's not. He's from a, from a rural area that is that is kind of a no-man's land when it comes to gyms. So uh, to see guys shine coming out of the gyms, it's uh, it's it's impressive. Take and beats a guy out of Shield Systems and Brandon Quindry. Uh, really good back and forth fight. Quindry, the longer, taller guy, but uh, as Jeff Hobbs kind of predicted, that's a small cage. And Sutton was really able to mix in uppercuts and work the body, change levels really good. Just kind of beat him up. Jeff, your thoughts on on this uh, tie fight and this win for Sutton? Yeah, this was a, this was a point in the card. I mean, there were some entertaining fights, you know, earlier in the card, but this fight 
um, is when I felt like the crowd and business just really started to pick up, you know, um, man, they just, they went at it. They banged it. It was everything that you would expect, uh, from, uh, you know, an advanced Muay Thai fight. Um, those are always fun. And these two uh, gave the crowd their money's worth on this fight. It's one of those fights where you hated to see a loser, uh, because man, they were just trading shots, and it was—I mean, it was just fun. It was exciting. The whole card—I mean, not to get off of this fight, but this was one of the funnest cards. Um, you know, I like all the fights, and I like—you um, know—every Valor show. But this was one of those that was kind of throwback to back when it was fun. And this this fight card was fun for me. Um, the the crowd was great. Everybody was entertained, and the fighters brought it. They really did. Like you said, even in the fights that were like squashes or should have been or on paper should have been, the opponent brings it. And this this fight was, you know, just the quintessential, you know, advanced tie. Let's just fucking bang, bro, and let's give the fight. <laughs> let's, let's give the crowd, you know, a show. Congrats I'm to Nick one son, man. I'm gonna be uh, interested to see what what comes next for him. You know, he bounces around from promotion to promotion, but we'd love to see him back in the Valor Cage for sure. Uh, moving on, we had another short notice fight. Josh Miller steps in for his brother Caleb Miller on about five days notice, maybe a little less. Uh, he defeats Ryan McCullough. They were both making their debut. Ryan McCullough out of G1 Martial Arts, Warnell, Georgia. Uh, round two TKO. It was a pretty good height and reach difference here. McCullough really trying to get in on those takedowns, just wasn't able to to hold the top position uh, long enough. And uh, Josh Miller is able to get the debut win. Round two TKO about two minutes in. And uh, let's go to uh, let's go to uh, Greg here. Your thoughts on this one. Uh, Ryan McCullough, the wrestler out of your neck of the woods. You're starting to work with some of those guys down that way. Uh, it comes up a little bit short here against uh, Josh Miller. Yeah, this this well, we knew that Ryan was going to come out explosive, but I think that they this is another one that they actually came out and started throwing a little bit of leg kicks and whatnot. But uh, <laughs> sorry, um, the the Ryan Ryan came out of the cage afterwards, and the, you know they had a couple exchanges and a couple slips, but either, I mean both fighters. I mean the thing was is that the experience wasn't there for either fighter, but you probably wouldn't be able to really tell that if you ain't never watched fighting because they were in there duking it out. And I enjoyed every minute of it. But after the fight, after the fight, Ryan walked out of the, walked out of the cage and uh, was standing there and he was really upset because he thought that the stoppage was bad. But, and I was just, and I just told him, I explained to him, I said, Hey man, listen, when we're in Valor at the Valor fights in our, in our, you know, we got Tennessee, Tennessee uh, officials and everything. This is an amateur fight. You're a debut fighter. There sometimes gets to be some mismatches, and we have some guys that get that get beat up, and you know they end up getting hurt if we don't stop it. Here's the thing: you can't sit there and play possum in an amateur fight. The referee's going to stop it if you have a grown man on top of you hitting you, or a woman on top of you, and they're just pounding away, and you're just sitting there waiting for your opportunity to get it. You're not going to. The referee's going to stop it, and you can get up and argue all you want. I wasn't done. I wasn't done. Well, you were because you weren't moving, and. He took a lot hard hard learned lesson right there, and that's a that's a good hard learned lesson learned by him for everybody. Don't don't lay there, and uh, that was probably the only one of the night that we actually had to lay there. You know, at just at the, in the wait and just to wait for it, something to come to him, but it never did. But uh, props to Josh Miller. Uh, I like this. I like to see where he goes after this. And where where is he fighting out of? He's KMAA, and we're going to see him again quick. He's fighting. Uh, he's going to be fighting on the next card, March the first, against Joe Booer. You're a buddy, a guy that you, oh, that you fight. Joe Booer. Yeah, that'll be on March the he's 1st. Fighting. 
Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask when he's going to fight again, but I'm ex- I'm excited he's fighting Joe Booer. That'll be a that'll be a good one. That will be a good one. Yeah, Booer's going to be a little more dangerous on the ground. Very, very much so. We already know that. <laughs> All right, that brings us to our our last female fight of the night. Man, the, the crowd turned up for this one, and it was awesome. I mean, this one was a lot of fun. Uh, the little bull. Chloe Padilla makes her MMA debut, and it's a successful one. Round three TKO late in the third round over a very game Mary Rosenbeck. And uh, Mary Rosenbeck drops to 0-3, but as Jeff said earlier, an absolute pleasure to work with. And she fights her ass off. At no point was Chloe safe in this fight because, there, you know, you'd think that she she was in a good position, and then Mary would just bull her way out of it, you know. And, and there were moments in on the feet where – she started to have Chloe, you know, covering up a little bit, started to turn. So that fight was uh, was still very, very, very competitive and close and uh, and very good performance from both ladies. They had the crowd going nuts. Uh, Mark, your your take. Wow. What a, what a performance by Chloe Padilla, man. Uh, she really, for it had to be a debut fight, she really went out there and earned it to get old-fashioned way. You know, she was never guaranteed a second or a minute of, of any round, much less winning round. But, man, I'm just glad that she proved me wrong in my pick. Um, Rosenbeck fought so tough, man. Like, it was just a pick and fight. But when she broke her will there at the end, I mean, you could just feel it crescendo up. And it was, it was really the, the the setting point for the kind of the whole night crescendoing up. It just felt like it just brought everything together and it just made for, a, made for a great card and a great night, man. But congrats, Chloe Padilla, for proving me wrong. Great fight. Our feature bout was another one that we knew was going to be competitive, and uh, and as Jeff said in his introduction, just let me bang, bro. And these guys, they bang, uh, and we knew they were going to. Rodrigo Martinez moves to three and one uh, under KMAA. Uh, he is he wins a unanimous decision, uh, pretty clear cut decision over Chris Buttry. No love, Buttry drops to three and three. Very competitive still though, and uh, and I, as we spoke last week, you know, Chris is a guy that. Very talented, and uh, sometimes we'll have some mental uh, lapses out there. I will say this, uh, and we're going to get into this open scoring conversation after we finish the fight card, but this was one where, you know, the first round went to Rodrigo, and you really saw, uh, like, a spark lit in Chris Buttry's eyes coming into the second round. I was like, oh, wow, you know, this is now this is something we haven't seen. And, you know, I, I want to say that that open scoring may have kind of perked him up. He knew he had to have it. Uh, we had a, He had his best round in the second round. It still wasn't enough. They gave round two to Martinez as well. He was just <laughs> looks so good. I mean, just so sharp, so crisp. Um, and he really is just a beast. And, and Buttry, uh, he, he dropped rounds two and, and started to fade out in, in round three. So it was a unanimous decision, but not a bad showing from either guy. Good showing for Buttry, great showing from Martinez. And I really would like to see Rodrigo Martinez in the uh, in the mix for that 185 strap here uh, sooner rather than later. Greg, your thoughts? Those are some big old boys. Those are some very large guys, man. And they were, I mean, to to weigh 195, they were, I mean, they were every bit of it, both of them. And uh, and to be as big as both those guys are, they had some quick hands. They both of them had some quick hands. And uh, but Rodrigo just uh, really set the pace if you will, in the fight and never, and, and never, never let off its pace. You know, the first round was good. The second round, Butcher came out swinging and the third round, Rodrigo really closed on the fight, I think. But, uh, overall, I think that was an awesome fight. And, uh, both guys were nice after the fight too. Every fighter was nice after the fight. I enjoyed this whole card. Our first title fight was up next and man, another just, 
uh, exhausting one to watch almost. It was it was great. Joseph Long, Rambo Joe Long, picks up his first MMA title was a with a third round TKO win over Captain Joe Bradley out of X3 Sports. Joseph Long representing American Killer Bees, Cleveland, Tennessee. This was a war. Both these guys, I mean, they fought their heart out. And, man, like 30 seconds to go in the fight. Uh, Joseph Long finally gets him out of there with a third-round TKO. Joe Bradley was dropped a few times, but, like, would always come back and just show so much grit. And just, I don't know if it's just the way that Joseph Long looks in there, just when he's fighting, it almost looks distressed. But there was a there was a couple moments, maybe in the second round, I want to say, where reminded me of in the first round. And it, to me, it looked like Joseph was pained or maybe starting to, to 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 blow up a little bit in there. But I think it's just the way he looks when he's fighting because he did nothing but keep his foot on the gas the, the entire way. Jeff Hobbs. Yeah, guys, I mean, I don't have to tell you, you were fucking there, man. This one was fun. This one was a blast, uh, you know, from the introduction to the end of it. I mean, it was just, it was a blast. Um and I'm this, telling you now, you're right though. What's that? Yeah, this was the the Joe Joe versus Joe with the Joe. That's right. That, That's that, right. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, this one, man. I I know what you're talking about though, Tim. In the first round, it, it just looked like, uh, you know, Bradley was getting some shots in. I mean, the first round they were they were they were tit for tat. But uh, I don't know if it's just the way his body reacts to the to the blow or to the hit, and it's just uh, it looks like it's phased him more than what it really did. Uh, it just, the way he reacts to getting hit, you almost think, shit, he's rocked, you know, he's rocked, but then he comes right back and you're like, okay, he's not, you know? Um, so you don't even know if he, you don't know if he's playing possum or, or what the deal is, man. But, uh, it was just one of those. It, it, even when Bradley was getting dropped, um, you know, he's so tough. He's got such heart, uh, you know, Rambo Joe couldn't get him out of there. Um, it was just one of those, it, but it was the continuous beating that he took that finally in the third round is just, I think his body couldn't take anymore. His, his mind couldn't take anymore. You know, he knew he was defeated uh, and he had no, but he lost just because he had no more to give. He gave everything he had. Um, there was just no more to give. And the pressure was not ever going to let up. Um, they, I think they could have gone five rounds and, and long would have still had the same pressure in round five that he did in round two and three. Um, I, again, I can't say it enough. These last few fights here on this card, it, it paid for the price of admission. And this, this one alone would have been worth the price of your ticket, uh, just to watch this fight. Joseph Long picks up that first title, and it'll be interesting to see. I mean, he's still young. I, I, I think I don't think he has uh, clearance from David Robbins to go pro just yet. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, who we uh, throw at him as that first title defense because I, I know it'll be entertaining no matter what. Uh, speaking of entertaining, our main event certainly was, and we knew it would be for the vacant 170 strap. Trevor Peak took on Tevin Brown. It was a rematch from last year's. Fight of the year contender that went down at the shed. Tevin Brown won that one by decision. This time, Trevor Peak uh, evens the score one to one, but he takes home the strap uh, as a result, and he defeats Tevin Brown by a very clear cut unanimous decision. Uh, Tevin showed a lot of heart, a lot of grit, staying in there just like Joe Bradley. But man, this one was was for the most part all Trevor Peak. And uh, man, I tell you what, just <laughs> there is no backward steps in Trevor Peak. Trevor Peak. 
comes out looking to take your head off, and now he has improved that takedown defense to where he, he you know, he doesn't have to worry about being put on his back. And uh, man, just a, a coming out party of sorts. Uh, he had a huge crowd there as well. Congratulations to Trevor Pete, Trevor Brown. Uh, keep your head up. I know that you're still going places, and uh, you know, adjust some things. And I'm sure we'll see him back real soon i'm gonna go to everybody for this main event though just because it was so awesome and uh and i think that we should mark your take on this uh, on this main event whoa man trevor peak looked so good it was uh he was just trying to hit him with all the punches uh, man just what a great performance way to way to even up one to one i'm really hoping to get a rubber match between these guys uh, if if trevor doesn't go pro immediately Greg, uh, Greg, your uh, your thoughts. You were there calling it cage side. There was a lot of uh, of big blows landed. Um, yeah, I was right there. I've been on uh, one end of both those blows too. But uh, yeah, you're talking about fireworks and electricity in the building. Uh, when Tevin walked out there, it seemed like it seemed like the, the I mean, taking. I mean, it was loud. And Trevor walked out there. He had uh, sold a, quite a lot of tickets, I reckon, because. Uh, he had a whole uh, whole squad, like, just seemed about everywhere. But uh, no, it seemed like these Alabama boys just came up and and, and girls, I just came up and you know, and, and and I had some people afterwards saying, yeah, you know, I guess y'all Tennessee need to step their game up. And I said, well, no, here's the situation. You know, you got a bunch of debut fighters. You don't know who you're fighting. Um, you know what I'm saying? So you, you know, George St. Pierre had to have his first fight against somebody. You know, so you don't take your first fight for granted. I don't know how many of these people trained, but. Uh, the, these, this main event, these guys weren't the uh, the debut fighters, you know what I'm saying? And it showed, and I was, uh, I think it was all that is it was expected to be, and and a little bit more. Jeff Hobbs, your thoughts on this main event? It's hard not to, it's hard not to lot to be a Trevor Peak fan after these fights. Yeah, bro. Um, I mean, both of them. Oh yeah, no doubt. Hey, you know. I you know I don't know you guys may hang me for this <laughs> you really might I but I mean it in such a high regard for Trevor Peak I, I don't know either one of these guys um, it was an impressive fight for Trevor Peak I don't know that I would have called it a good fight because I, to me Trevor fucking handled him from <laughs> bell to bell you know um, I give Tevin Brown all the credit in the world because he that he took a beating y'all. Like, but to me, this was so one-sided and not because Tevin Brown's not a good fighter, but I guarantee you, Tevin Brown was going, Holy, this is not the same freaking dude I fought the first time. He, I don't think there'll be a rubber match because I'm, I feel that Tevin Brown may be sitting back going, I don't want a third fight with this guy. Like maybe that, maybe that first fight was as good as I'm going to do against Trevor Pete. You know, I'm, I'm thankful I got that split decision win, but I don't want no more of this. And I, you know, and I'm not saying that that's literally what he's thinking, but I don't know if I took the punches and the beating on the ground that, that he did in that fight, I fucking wouldn't want anymore. I'm, I'm moving on. I'm congratulating Trevor Peak on the fight. I'm hoping he goes pro, and uh, and, and I'm, I'm looking for another opponent after this. Um, you know, the guy had a great message. You know what? I learned a lesson as an announcer. I'll never just hand the damn microphone to somebody and say, "Say what you want," because I thought we might. Not, I thought we were going to be there till midnight. Um, but hey, you know, all props to him. He had a message that he wanted to to, to give to the people, and it was a good message. Um, 
you know, like I said, I learned my lesson on that one. Um, I, I got up the next morning and went to church my damn self. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, I enjoy it, man. Like I said, props to both guys. So that winds up Valor 55, sends everyone home just uh, with a with a buzz, man. <laughs> Literally and and, uh, and honestly, just uh, with or without the alcohol, it was uh, it was it was a fun night as we've as we've kind of gone over. Uh, before I let everybody go, let's go over our results uh, from this one. Uh, Jeff Hobbs and David uh, Robbins and Mark Laws all go 11 and five on this one. Greg one behind at 10 and six. So everybody still has a pretty good night. That brings our overall uh, standings now, and uh, assuming that we were giving David Robbins and Charlie kind of the, uh, a total together, we'll just call that the, the guest panel pick. But uh, Jeff Hobbs has a lead of one. He is 25 and eight overall. Greg and Mark tied one behind him, 24 and nine. And then our guest slot is 14 and six. Uh, before we let you guys go, uh, let's get a final take from each guy. Who's the biggest winner on the night? Uh, who comes out of this uh, shining the brightest? And uh, you know, it really comes out of this thing uh, with uh, you know, uh, with with the be- with the biggest overall impression on you. Let's start with uh, let's start. Well, actually, we haven't heard. From, I, I think this is. Fair to get a take from uh, Justin Watson. He's been silent through this one. Of course, he was judging that night. Uh, overall, best impression, biggest winner from the night uh, in your eyes, Justin? Uh, for me, it would probably be third event uh, coming off of a loss. You know, Garrett, Garrett Sharp's a stud, man. And, uh, you know, Sturdivant showed up, showed up to fight and showed us that, you know, he, he wasn't playing around. You know, he can fight. Yeah, I have to agree. That's a good win for for him, uh, going to catapult him into some bigger fights now, for sure. Mark, uh, who's the biggest winner in your eyes? The biggest winner from last Saturday were the fans because Jeff Hobbs rocked that motherfucking mic. <laughs> Best performances I have seen to date of a man who doesn't do that for a living, getting in there and just beating the fuck out of it. Dude. I mean, I, I was so impressed. Just wanted to put that out there. But, you know, my takeaway is Justin Long and Trevor Peak, you know. Um, it's just two up-and-coming studs, you know, both of them young, both of them still hungry. I can't wait for a long future for both those great fighters, man. What a, what a, what a blessing you get to have some skilled guys coming up in the ranks. Well said, my man, well said. Uh, Jeff, your, uh, your final take, uh, biggest winner. Man, I'm kind of uh, on the same uh, mind frame that, that that uh, Mark is. I think the biggest winner is Valor Fights. Um <laughs> They said, I mean, not just financially, because they look like a pretty good, pretty damn good turnout. But uh, I think as far as setting setting the tone, setting the future for fight night at the Joe, um, I think Valor Fights is, is the winner in this one because um, the matchmaking was on point. The commentary was on point. Everybody was on point. And I think they put out a product that probably, you know, uh, Joseph Long's not going to be on the March card. Uh, you know, some of those guys aren't going to be on the March card, but I think the fans – got a product that they had so much fun being a part of that they may come back again in March, even though their guy's not on the card, just because of the product that the promotion put out. Um, so I think the Valor fight in the long run is going to be the one that walked away from um, this February fight night at the Joe, the biggest winner. Well said, well said. And uh, Greg Hopkins, finally, uh, your take, uh, biggest winner of the night. Uh, biggest winner of the night is the first round for me. <laughs> I got finished in the first round, and you know, last time we had the you know the pro show, uh, the pro am at uh, the Coliseum, 
and you got to see a lot more skilled fighters. So, and they had a lot more to protect on their side of the of the game. So they they, they you know are a little bit more hesitant, you know. But these fights, these are the guys that don't don't really have nothing to lose except for a a, a record. You know what I'm saying? And they don't they don't really care. But uh, the first round, but I got to give props to to a few of the guys on the card, um, and 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 one of the girls. And I got to make sure I, I, I get I get the right girl right. But uh, uh, Devin Davis knockout of the night that was impressive. Another one was uh, of course Joseph Long and Trevor Peak. Both of these guys. Joe Bradley showed up. I, I, this, that one was nothing to hang your head about. He, he, I, I, don't, I didn't have the punch count there, but Joseph was just dodging every shot he was throwing, and that was the, that was the, that was the key in the, in the fight right there to win it. But. Was it Mary Rosenbach? Is that the one who uh, is she the girl that came from Muay Thai? Um, no. Um, is that who? She fought. No, yeah, she did fight Chloe. I don't know that she comes from a, like a, a a Muay Thai background, but yeah, she fought. She fought Chloe. Which one? Which who was the girl that was making her transition? Is that not where was she at? Her transition from. Uh, Greg, I think that may have been the one that fought Sarah Hayes because when you were commenting earlier on that fight, you were talking about you were expecting the stand-up. I do remember when she came into the cage and she was just waiting for Sarah to come in and she was kind of shadow boxing to herself. I was standing there going like, holy shit. Like, I mean, she looked good. I, I know it sounds bad to say she looked good shadow boxing because no one's punching back when you chat, but you could tell she had a, a good skill set on the ground. So it may have been her, I mean, on the stand-up. Right. Well, then that was her. I was like, I just, but I wanted to give props to her too for stepping in the cage and going full MMA now. You know what I'm saying? That's that's the one I, I guess I thought it was. But uh, uh so it's a, a Caitlin. Caitlin Dininger. Caitlin D- Dininger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Props to her for stepping in the cage and making that transition and it, making her amateur debut. But uh, other than that, yeah, first round was the uh, winner of the night for me. Well, I appreciate everyone uh, taking a little bit of their time to relive Valor 55. We'll be back at it for Valor 56, March the 1st. Uh, we're about three weeks, three, three and a half weeks out from that. Be back at Cotton Eye Joe for a big pro-am show. Headlined by Slick, the Battle of the Knicks. Slick Nick Gertz moves up to welterweight to take on overblood Nick Martino. You know that one's going to be a lot of fun. Plus, C4, Charlie Alexander takes on Jordan Weeks. That's your top two fights on that card, and I promise they're both going to deliver. We're going to be uh, giving you a lot more insight on that as we get closer to March the 1st. Till then, thank you guys for the time. I'm going to let uh, Jeff and Mark uh, hit the bricks here, and uh, we'll get into uh, our, uh, our UFC recap. Thank you guys for the time, and we will uh, talk to you guys soon. All right, that brings us to our recap of last week's UFC on ESPN Plus. Number two uh, went down in Fortaleza, Brazil, and it was uh, it was uh, quite the card, man. I, did you, uh, Greg and uh, Justin and I, of course, uh, made our picks on this one. Uh, of course, coming in to uh, w- to the event, we, we started the year out with a hundred units. I come in with uh, a total of a uh, hundred even because I was e- I was I was dead even uh, from the last week. Greg comes in with seventy one and a half units, and Justin is, comes in ahead at one hundred and twenty eight and a half units. Uh, the uh, initial portion of this card on uh, the prelims, uh, we'll we'll kind of just go over the results. Uh, not a whole lot of action taken by us in these first fights, uh, we, but we did have some upsets. Uh, uh, Rogerio Bontorin defeats Magomed Bibulatov by split decision. Saeed Nurmagomedov defeats 
Ricardo Ramos round one TKO and uh, Geraldo de Freitas defeats Felipe Calaris by unanimous decision. We all laid off of those. But uh, if you were just playing straight underdogs, you would have come out pretty good on those first couple fights. Uh, in the next one, uh, we did have a, we did have a play from uh, myself and uh, Justin. It was uh, Yarzinho Rosenstroik out of Suriname, who we overlooked and didn't do our due diligence to find out that he's a stud kickboxer. <laughs> he defeats the Brazilian Junior Albini by round two TKO. Uh, me and Justin uh, both take losses on that one. Uh, Justin, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, that was shocking. I, I should have looked into him a little more. I guess he's got a you know pretty extensive kickboxing background, but uh, he's a hitter, man, a big dude, and, and he went in there and, and put the beat down on, on Albini. Tiago Alves defeats Max Griffin by split decision. Uh, that was one that uh, was a winner for Justin. He 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 had Tiago Alves plus 170 there. Greg uh, takes a loss on Max Griffin. Ten units he loses. And looking back on the stats, uh, you know that was one. You know Justin and I were talking about because we were just in DraftKings terms. Uh, when it comes down to the stats, uh, I want to say that uh, Max Griffin scored higher than uh, Alves did, and even in the loss. Uh, Greg, your your thoughts? Well, um, you guys talked me into, uh, really, I mean, on the show, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, on the podcast, I, I went with Max Griffin and, and I lost. But real life, after listening to you guys talk about Tiago Alves, you know, and, you know it kind of made me think it was stupid to take Max Griffin. You're welcome. So, <laughs> huh? You're welcome. So, yeah, yeah, thank you, Justin. No, no, really, man, like, because I lay pretty heavy on Alves because uh, I actually did really well this whole night. The only one I did lose on in real life, <laughs> we need to get some kind of damn website where I can post my, my, uh, you know, what I what I actually win and stuff. So, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not doing too hard on the show because I get scared to tell everybody what to pick. And then all the ones I get scared to tell everybody to pick, they end up winning. And I win those. So, <laughs> but uh, I mean, thank you, Justin, for that for the great start of the night. Now I did turn around and lose. Uh, I did turn around and lose betting on Santos the next fight. But after that, throughout the rest of the night, it was smooth sailing. I, ch- I showed the showed the card to Tim, and wow, I did. That is true. He is not full of shit. He does not lose just every pick that he puts out there. We really need him to uh, to start. Yeah, we need, do need to figure out like. We need like some sort of platform to give our late last minute plays for real, because, you know, as you know, we record this on Wednesday night. A lot happens between Wednesdays and Saturdays, you know, where we could our eyes could be open to other things. You know, um, of course, up next, it was Mar Romero Barella defeats Tyler or maybe it's Taylor Santos by split decision. And uh, Justin takes a loss on that when he loses 10 units on Santos. Um, and then um, let's see. We also had Marcus Perez defeating Anthony Hernandez. That was an upset, I think. Round two submission and a conda choke. Greg um, took Hernandez there. His biggest loser of the night is 16 units. Uh, your thoughts, Greg? Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I was worried about was him being, uh, you know, he never really made it out of the first round. You know, being from California, and he's never really fought out of, out of the states and jumping into a hostile environment in Brazil like that, you know, I mean, he didn't keep the pace. He couldn't keep the pace that he did in the first, the very beginning of the fight. So um, he fell off right there at the, right there at the beginning of the second round. Livia Hinata Souza 
is outweighed by, I want to say, eight, seven or eight pounds it was that Sarah Frota misses weight by. They looked like they were in, there was two weight classes separating them. Somehow, some way, Souza still catches the split decision win. And um, I didn't get to watch that one closely, but just from, from the little bit that I was watching, I felt like uh, she was losing. I, I had her and, and was lucky and fortunate to win on a 10-unit play at her uh, with minus 220. But just from just from the little bit that I was able to to catch it, I didn't feel good when they were reading the scorecard. So it was a pleasant surprise to, to get that one. Uh, Johnny Walker. Oh, wow. This guy. 15 seconds. It, it takes him 15 seconds. It's a hook kick and then uh, and then a knockout for uh, Johnny Walker over Justin Ledette. Um, I played the under as did, uh, Justin and Greg, we all played that under, got it very easily. And, uh, of course, Greg and Justin also played, um, no, I'm sorry. Only Justin, only Justin played Johnny Walker straight, uh, for 10 units, man, Justin, this, this guy's a hitter. This guy's had hardly any, he just goes in there and, and marks fools. Yeah. I mean, this is a huge step down. Uh, he fought Cleo Roundtree, I guess last time. And, you know, that was a big challenge for, I think, you know, he was a big underdog and, um, against Ledette, you know, he, he was, he was a pretty decent favorite, but still real sloppy though. I mean, you know, the, the kick landed kind of with his calf and I don't know, the, the spinning back fist was kind of out of desperation. You just do it and it landed. Um, it was kind of weird though on the commentary. I don't know if you heard, but they kept talking about, um, him being disqualified for the kick after. Did you catch that? Oh, like, um, yeah, cause it, it kicked him on the ground. Is that right? Yeah, but it was like, I mean, it, it didn't land, but if it would have landed, it would have been to the body. It would have been to the shoulder or, or to the ribs somewhere, which is fine. <laughs> but, yeah, and the, but they, were, they kept saying he's lucky he didn't land that, that kick and all this. But um, so that, that was kind of interesting. But uh, he does hit hard, man. I mean, you know, people are already trying to talk about putting him in there with, you know, top 10, top five guys. But um, I think he needs a little more cage time to actually see, you know, what he's about he still hasn't been there that long like you said two pretty quick wins so um like i don't know i'm not sure uh who you could put in front of him right now but i would like to see him take a big bigger step up you know i'd like to see him in like an ion cutelabra somebody like that that is gonna just come right out like just like he does you know who right. i'd like to see him fight who's that at 205 i'd like to see him fight darren till at 205 yeah isn't till a 170 yeah uh, he's gonna be 185, but I think that Darren Till and Walker would be an entertaining fight. Oh, so be a good fight. I think yeah. the reason I the reason I say that is because I think they both they they you know I mean well I can't really say that because Darren Till did have like a whole country behind him following him. So I'll just say you know they they blew Darren Till up really quick and he just you know he just came out of and 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 I'm a Darren Till fan, but Johnny Walker is one of the ones too that's just coming out of coming out of it and like. Everybody's like, I like this guy. I like him, but like Justin said, he is. Uh, I, I, the, the the kick that if he'd have landed that, I mean, I thought that was. Uh, I didn't know what to think. I was just like, wow, why you? I mean, I thought that was a little much. Just what 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 happened there? Some PTSD or something? Because he wasn't. It was a little late reacted to me because I thought it was. It could have been. He didn't have to do it. In my opinion, I thought it was a little. Wow, but um, I think that him and I was yeah. But I thought Darren Till was going up to one eighty five, and I was like, hell. He, yeah, he would be a lot bigger than Darren Till, too, wouldn't he? Yeah, I think he's a pretty big dude. No, he's a lot, he's a very big guy. Like, I mean, hell, did you see him before the fight? He was just sitting there with his arms, just you know, just sitting there chilling, just waiting for the fight to start. He's, Are you ready? <laughs> Even the referee's like, get the hell off the cage, man. You're about to fight, you know? <laughs> he's just smiling, which 
but you know, and I do like Johnny Walker, but the, the cockiness that he's got and that it just makes me kind of think that you know, in real life, he, he could be a uh, you know have have a big ego you know about him. Sure. And I, I'm anxious to see what happens when they put a really, really, really another skilled guy in front of me. What is he? Sixteen and three now. So I mean, how much more time do we got to wait before we put somebody like that in front of him in the UFC? I think we'll get it next. I think he's going to get a, a fringe ranked guy here next, and uh, hopefully, it's somebody that can that can give up a little bit of resistance. Up next, Charles Oliveira defeats David Tamer round two Anaconda choke. We had some fouls in this one. Uh, but it was Oliveira that was able to wrap up that submission. And uh, this one was as close to a pick uh on the odds. And so congrats to those that went with Oliveira. All of us passed on that one, although uh, Justin did slide him into a parlay that would have hit had uh, had uh, Albini not busted it just to open the show, essentially. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the next bout was the feature bout, and I was wrong on this one. Um, Damian Maya defeats Lyman Good round one near, rear naked choke. Lyman Good does literally nothing, uh, just but <laughs> just get dominated essentially. Uh, I went out on a limb and and went with uh, went with Good and lost. Uh, however, uh, Greg went with Damian Maya and won. Uh, and I, it looks like uh, Justin left that one alone. He had Maya in his parlay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was uh, quick work for Damian Maya. I'm in good. I, I thought maybe it would be tough to control and, and maybe could land a knockout punch, but he really just couldn't do shit. Uh, Greg, your thoughts? Uh, I'm in good has always been one of the ones that the UFC has always wanted to, like, you know, really build up and, and give him something because he is a, he's a phenomenally great fighter. He is. He's 20, he has 20 wins under his belt. But – yeah, the thing is, like we we were speaking about his uh his his ground game when it, when he's got to meet a wrestler or somebody of that nature that's going to try to take him down, just straight take him down. He he doesn't know what to do. He fought Ian Stevens out of uh you know out of the uh, Blaylocks. Lyman Good fought him on the Ultimate Fighter, and uh, before the fight, you know Frankie Edgar told told uh, Ian Stevens said said uh, hey man just wrestling. That's his uh that's his kryptonite. Just wrestling. He can't. He can't. He can't. He can't do nothing with it. So ever since then, if uh, Lyman Good's not fighting anybody that's a ground guy, I'm all Lyman Good. But if he's fighting somebody that's going to try to choke him out, I got to go. You know, I got to fade him. Of course, that brought us to the the co-main event of the evening: Jose Aldo uh, taking on Hinato Moicano. And uh, man, the bookmakers had this one a lot closer than it really was. Jose Aldo gets round two TKO. It's two wins in a row now after knocking off Jeremy Stevens before that. And uh, maybe a little bit of a resurgence here for uh, Jose Aldo. I left that one alone. Greg left that one alone. But Justin gets on Aldo plus 115, gets that win. Uh, is Jose Aldo back in the picture, Justin? I don't really think Jose Aldo le- ever left the picture. Max always an animal. Beat him twice. But, you know, he hasn't lost other than that, has he? Mm, no, I guess that's it. No, I guess that's it. He just got, he just got dominated in those. Huh? Yeah. But I mean, you know, Max is a huge 45er who's not going to be there much longer. Um, I mean, I think Jose's back in the title picture already. Gets a big win there uh, once again, and uh, you know it's uh, Moicano is a guy that had had a little bit of uh, a little bit of steam behind him, you know, coming in, and so uh, he was 13 and one, you know, so that was a good that was a good win for him. Main event, uh, a big huge win for Marlon Moraes, who uh, who defeats uh, Rafael Sunsal round one, a guillotine submission, and uh, avenges a previous defeat to a Sunsal. 
And now Marais uh, is up in the up in the title talk, I guess. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a big win for him. Uh, Greg and I left that one alone. Justin is the winner, and he takes uh, Marlon Marais minus 165. Your thoughts on that main event, Justin? Marais is an animal. Um, you know, I didn't didn't really expect a submission, but um, on the feet, you know, Marais has looked unstoppable. In their first fight, yeah, I had Marais winning that first fight. Um, it's his only loss in the UFC. Did you ever hear his uh, post-fight interview? Uh, it was on, but I wasn't giving it a whole lot of a whole lot of uh, attention, to be honest. Something he said right away was that they almost left, lost the main event because he had diarrhea all week. Oh no! Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> on national television. Yeah, right. But uh, no, but then uh, he said he was. You know, they asked him about TJ Dillashaw, and he said that after TJ's last performance. He wasn't sure that TJ deserved to fight with him, so he might have to let TJ go chase the little boys oh, while wow. he takes over this division, which you know couldn't couldn't ask for much much better of a uh, an interview for from somebody looking for a title shot. You know, it's going to be hard for anybody in that division to get one right now with Cejudo and TJ doing their thing, but that that gave you know gave him more of a more of a platform, I, I think. Yeah, no doubt. It'll be interesting to see uh, because I don't know how well. I mean, you know, he's a hell of a fighter, but I don't know how how much UFC sees him as a market a marketable fighter. They, you know, can he can he you know top a card? I don't know as far as like a you know a pay per view title fight. I don't know. That remains to be seen. We'll see. I, I, I the UFC I'm sure has got more sexy ideas uh, than than that probably though. Uh, so as we uh, come out of that event. Uh, let's see. I lose on uh, Albini and Lyman Good. I get some wins back on Souza and the under on Johnny Walker. I finish out three and a half or I'm sorry, three point five five units to the bad. And so I've got ninety six point four five units remaining. Uh, Greg has a, uh, a rougher weekend uh, on the pigs panel. He loses on uh, Max Griffin and also on uh, Alexander Hernandez, but uh, gets back a little bit of it on Damian Maya and the under on the Johnny Walker fight. He ends uh, negative 11.14 and has a total of 60.36 left to play with. And then Justin has uh, the best week of us and he wins 3.94 units and brings his total up to 132.44 to play with going into this weekend's UFC 234 pay-per-view. This one's going down in Australia, and we've got a middleweight title fight, right? Yeah, Robert Whitaker and Kelvin Gastelum. So this is this is kind of this is a pay-per-view card. It's a big fight, a big card, but it's uh, it's still a little um, top-heavy in my opinion. I think the 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 top of the card's pretty good, but um, I don't know that it's all the way pay-per-view level uh, to me. Just up and down, you know, the, the the first, you know, two fight or the top two fights, I think, are, are pretty decent. But uh, overall, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that, I suppose, here as we as we get into it. But uh, let's see here. So uh, going into this uh, week, I have ninety six point four five to recap. Greg has sixty point three six. And then Justin has one thirty two point point four four. All right. That brings us to our picks now for the pay-per-view this weekend. And it's going to be UFC 234, got a big middleweight title fight. But we start things off with the prelims on UFC Fight Pass. 
And we've got three of them to open. We've got Jonathan Martinez, uh, minus 160, taking on Luigi Buren, uh, who is plus 140. Jalen Turner, minus 240, taking on Callan Potter, who's plus 200. And then Lando Venata, that's a familiar name, uh, minus 390. He's a heavy favorite over Marcos Rosas, who is plus 320. Greg, uh, doesn't look like you've got any interest in these first three, but it looks like, uh, Justin, you've got a little bit of a little interest. What uh, Any advice here on these first three and any uh, plays for you? Um, a couple, couple good ones to look out for are uh, Jalen Turner and Lando Venata. Lando, you know, they've been trying to push him forever. It seems like he just can't. Can't, can't get it all together. Um, I would throw Jalen in on a parlay with some of the bigger um, under or bigger favorites of the night. There's, you know, a couple that are a few that are two to two or three to one that uh, I'll end up throwing together at the end, probably four or five guys and Jalen will be on that. From there, we move on to the televised prelims. And I guess, uh, let's see, this is, these are on ESPN plus, I think. Man, it's also confusing anymore. Uh, we have uh, Kyung Ho Kang is a big favorite, minus 425 over uh, Where's My Bitches, Teruto Ishihara, always a character. He is plus 340, pretty big underdog there, Ishihara, uh, over, uh, I'm saying two, uh, underdog two, Kyung Ho Kang. Uh, Kai Kara France, uh, minus 300. We saw him really impressive last time out. This is kind of a home fight for him. He's minus 300 over Ralian Paiva. Uh, not familiar with him very, very well. Uh, Shane Young, minus 325 over Austin Arnett, who is plus 265. And then Devontae Smith, um, who we've seen come off the Contender Series. He fought Slick Nick Gertz. Uh, he's minus 245, and he is taking on the maestro, uh, Dong Hyun Kim, plus 205. Uh, no play from Greg on any of these. Justin, you've got a little bit of interest. Yeah, I think I told you uh, earlier Isha Hira, but I'm, I meant to put um, Ho Kang is going to okay. be in my parlay. Sure. Um, yeah, so uh, another, another, you know, hot prospect to look out for is Kai Kara France. Uh, like you said, last time he came out and, you know, really impressed me. Um, Devontae Smith and Dong Young Kim, is that is that stun gun? Or is no, it the other Dong Young Kim? No, 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 the stun gun is a, is a 170. This He has the same name. This is the maestro. He's a 155 guy. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm not too familiar with him. I, I know that I, I got him confused with Stun Gun last time, but um, I'd be interested to see what Devontae Smith can do, uh, you know, as, as they keep moving him up. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think that uh, that this is a you know a, a, a situation where I think Smith's athletic at Smith's got you know plus athleticism, uh, very aggressive. I really like him in this spot, and he's a, he's a really headstrong guy. Uh, I like uh, I like him quite a bit potentially in a parlay piece uh, here towards the end. But uh, for me, I don't I don't really like any of these straight. The the lines look about right on all these. I I like Kai Kara France as a parlay piece potentially too. Uh, I'm just. Uh, I, I'm not too familiar with Paiva. Uh, the the main card, the pay-per-view portion of the card, and I'd like to get you guys' opinion if you guys feel like this is a, a pay-per-view worthy um, uh, card or not. Uh, we've got Jim Crute, Jim the Brute Crute. He's minus 135, taking on Sam Alvey, who's plus 115. I think Alvey's a late replacement here. Uh, no play from Greg, but Justin, you like Sam Alvey. Yeah, I do. Um, I don't know. I'm just I haven't been super impressed with with Jim Crude. I never have been super impressed with Sam Alvey either. But um, I don't know. I just for for plus money, I, I 
think he's he's the better pick. I'm gonna throw five units on on Sam Alvey for his first straight play. Justin goes five units for his first straight play on Sam Alvey plus one fifteen. I'm gonna stay off of this one. Uh, I feel like I faded Kroot before and it bit me in the ass maybe. So I'm gonna stay off of him. Uh, I generally am not real high on the native Australian guys here, and then so, then I they'll end up proving me wrong. That brings us to our lone female bout of the night. Montana De La Rosa is minus 255, taking on Nadia Kassim, plus 215. Uh, Greg, it's a no play for you. It is a no play for me as well. Uh, Justin, you like the favorite, Montana De La Rosa. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going to do a, like a five-team favorite parlay just because there's so many unknowns in this one. I don't want to put too much stake in anybody that, that I'm not too familiar with, um, but I'm going to throw her into, into my parlay here too. Up next, we have got uh, we've got a couple bantamweights here. Ricky Simone is a very slight favorite, minus one twenty over Hani Yaya, plus one hundred. The Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu submission ace uh, is Hani Yaya. Uh, Greg, you uh, you like this one uh, potentially? I'm well, I'm back and forth on these guys, and I originally I wanted to to take Ricky. He's only got one loss on his record, and. Uh, but I know that the, the jiu-jitsu of a Ronnie Yaya, uh, Yaya is going to be it's going to be hard for him to keep up with if it goes to the ground. I'm, but with the value on every bet tonight, I'm going to take I'm going to take uh, Ricky uh, for ten units. Well, let's go let's go seven units on him. Greg goes Ricky Simone minus one twenty for seven units. Uh, we'll see if that pans out for him against a very dangerous submission artist in Ronnie and uh, Hani Yaya. But you know Simone's got good wrestling. He may be able to to, to stifle him. It'll be it's, it's a hard one to call. I agree. Uh, that is of course the feature bout, the co-main event. This one is one that people are excited for, and it's a big favorite. Israel Adesanya is minus six thirty over Anderson, the Spider Silva legend. Uh, you know he's, this guy's going to be a, a Hall of Famer. And uh, he is plus 435. And, uh, man, I'd like to get both of you guys' takes on this uh, this co-main event. Adesanya has really come out there. He's the style bender. He's, he's cocky. He's, he's got a very uh, flashy style, lots of crazy kicks, uh, very, just like Anderson Silva used to have. You know, so uh, let's start with Justin. He's He's got everything that, that uh, Anderson has but better, I think. Um, the odds are, are just insane, though. I mean, I can't pass you know four four and a half to one odds against anderson silva it's just crazy so i'm gonna throw five units on him i don't expect him to win i mean i i i expect to see second or third round knockout by adesanya but they just can't pass up the the value in in silva in this one greg your thoughts i've got justin down for five units at plus 435 for anderson silva any any play for you greg uh the Everything he just said, uh, would uh, I, I second it. It's just Anderson Silva. He, he he's he, supposedly he can't he can't take what he was taking anymore. So he's not the same fighter without it. Uh, Israel style bender. I agree that the, both their styles match up. Like it's 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 a great it's a good fight matchup. This is one of the the better fight, fighting matchup UFC's done in a long time, in my opinion. But. Uh, uh, Indonesia, uh, he's he's a tough kid, and uh, he's not he's not looking to be he's not looking for buddies and friends uh, along the way. He's kind of a he's kind of a he's kind of a cocky guy, but uh, with your odds that you know plus four hundred 
something with Anderson Silva, you cannot not want to sprinkle a little bit on that. So uh, I'm pretty down compared to you guys up in there. So I'm gonna throw uh, I'm gonna throw I'm gonna do, a, do me a degenerate thing and throw me 15 on Anderson Silva with that with those odds. Greg goes 15 units onto the on Anderson despite his Silva. And he is at plus four thirty-five, so that could be uh, that could be the what uh, what catapults Greg back into into the into the the, the standings here. Uh, hey, Greg. What's that? Hey, Greg. Greg, what did you what did you say Israel's last name was? Oh, I said Indonesia, but it's, I can't pronounce it. Adesanya. 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 Continue. All right. <laughs> okay, so that brings us to the main event. This is a title fight here, and uh, it's going to be for that that middleweight strap. We've got the two coaches from the last season of Tough going at it. Robert Whitaker, he's minus two forty five, and he's taking on the uh, Kelvin Gastelum, who who comes over to Whitaker's uh, homeland here. He'll be the out of towner, and he's plus two hundred five. I'm a, I'm a, I like both of these guys. I'm a, I'm a Gastulum fan, but it's going to be, it's tough action for him, man. Um, even at minus, uh, even at plus 205, I have a hard time pulling the trigger. I really like Whitaker here, but I don't really like the odds. Uh, let's go to uh, Justin. Any play for you here? Yeah, I'm going to throw Whitaker into my parlay. Uh, I mean, the, the thing is, you know, we've seen Whitaker's last two fights with what I think is a much better, much more athletic version of, of Kelvin Gaslam. Um, you know, I, I don't I think that you, you put Gaslam and, and Yoel in the same cage together, Gaslam might not walk out. And right. Whitaker Whitaker beat him twice in a row. Uh, I think the odds have it pretty close in this one. I mean, you know, correct in this one. Uh so on on my uh, parlay I'm gonna go with uh Whitaker uh, let me look here. Young Um, De La Rosa, uh-huh. uh, Turner, uh-huh. and Ho King, Ho Kang. Ho Kang. Okay, so uh, a parlay from Justin uh, with Robert Whitaker, Shane Young, Montana De La Rosa, Jalen Turner, and Kyung Ho Kang, all favorites, all pretty sizable favorites at that. Uh, that comes back at plus 350. Uh, Justin, how many units at plus 350? Uh, we'll do 10. It's plus 350? Yeah. Okay, yeah, 10. Okay, so uh, once again, to clarify on that parlay, it is Whitaker parlayed with uh, De La Rosa, uh, Turner, and also uh, Ho Kang, and um, man, and who did I forget? I'm sorry, uh, Young. Young. All right, Greg, any thoughts on this main event? No, I'm going to tell him, uh, though, I'm going to tell him on that parlay and do it do it too but not on not on here but I, I like that i like all those uh well i had i had what at the beginning i had 60 what left you had 60.36 and you and you've played 22 of it so you've got about um you've got about 38 of it left well then we're gonna put the uh half the trailer on robert whitaker for the night robert whitaker for 19 units actually what's the uh, what's the under and over for that fight as well uh let's see here it looks to me like the total is um i don't have an actual official total set yet i do have that you know inside the distance or not 
but um, it looks like fight the fight goes to the in, the fight does not go to a decision. Uh, that we get a finish either way is minus one seventy five, and the, the, that we do get a decision is plus one forty five. Yeah, I'm about to take. I want to parlay that thirty eight with Robert Whitaker the win and a finish uh, within the distance. So you're saying that uh, that Robert Whitaker and the fight does not go the distance. That is plus 120 for the full 38 units. Yep. 38 units. Greg is all in on this one uh, on Whitaker and uh, inside the Whitaker inside the distance, essentially. Uh, Whitaker wins inside the distance. He is uh, in there for uh, plus 120 on uh, that parlay. And uh, I can see it. I can see it. That's a lot of time. That's a, that's a whole lot of time for that fight to go. Uh, myself, the, the, only, the only play I'm going to make on this whole uh, mofo is a 10-unit parlay. I'm going to parlay Kai, Cara, uh, Kai Cara France uh, with Robert Whitaker, And I'm going to do uh, Kai Cara France and Robert Whitaker for 10 units, and that comes back uh, for me at uh, minus 115. So minus 115 on Whitaker, Kai Cara France. That's my only play. Uh, guys, uh, that's, that's, that's this card, man. That's pretty much what we got. It's, uh, it's, uh, before, we, before we wrap this up, is this a... Uh, is this a, pay, a fight a card that you would you would uh, classify as pay per view worthy, uh, Greg? Got a lot of people that are top thirty in the world on this uh, on this card. So, but then again, like you said, you got a lot of unknowns too that we don't we don't get to see very often. You know, very often. But uh, no. I don't know about pay-per-view worthy because you know I don't I don't think it's pay-per-view worthy. No. Would you spend sixty? I'd spend sixty on a fire stick. Exactly. And uh, watch anything I want to do forever. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm saying exactly. I mean I'm with you there. But I'm saying if you're an average Joe fan out there and you don't have access to the to those type of uh, tr- tr- fuckery, uh, what would you would they get your sixty dollars? No, they wouldn't. I mean only only the only like like. Like mainstream guys you got on here is Israel and Anderson Silva, and people know Robert Whitaker and Kelvin Gaslin, but uh, a lot of these other people are unknown. This is this just should be a more of a uh, ESPN, you know, build up, you know, for for future fights. You know, that's what I think. I would agree. I think it's a much bigger event over there than it is here. Um, Justin, your thoughts? What do you think the difference in this card and any big boxing card is? Any big boxing? that's got you know a big big name or two heading heading the show and then you know a decent co-main event and then it's pretty then it's pretty much nobody else that you know and they're they're all just as expensive me personally i mean i have the the options to not pay for it if i don't want to so i won't be but i mean you know if i didn't have those options yeah, I mean, I think I think that Whitaker and uh, and Gaslam and, and Adesanya and Anderson Silva are worth the sixty bucks, and uh, you know the other ones are just you know background noise for a little while, I guess. Yeah, I can't. I can, it's hard to disagree with that 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 assessment. Honestly, we're spoiled, you know, with supercars and stuff like that. And boxing, it happens a lot. You get one or two fights at the top. The rest is just kind of, uh, yeah, it's filler. And if you get some good fights out of it, cool. That is one thing is is we know that they'll be more competitive than the undercard of of, of, a, of a boxing pay-per-view. That's for sure. Hey, you're going to give you a couple of uh, just real quick takeaways that are just interesting interesting to see. Whitaker wins by submission is plus 1325. 
and Gaslam winning by submission is plus 1180. Wow, Whitaker by submission is certainly possible. So is Gaslam. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, that, that's Gaslam. To me, that's Gaslam's only shot at winning. I, you know, he's got decent boxing, but I don't think he can knock out Whitaker. I don't think he's got the power to do it. But, you know, on the ground, he does have the possibility of, of snatching up a submission for, you know, from the top or bottom. Yeah, absolutely. So that is going to uh, that's going to wrap up our pick segment for this uh, this weekend's UFC 234 pay per view. Uh, the panel uh, likes Robert Whitaker, it seems like that's for sure. Uh, then of course uh, there's some other plays. Uh, Greg, of course, on Ricky Simone, uh, Justin, and Greg both on Anderson Silva on that uh, underdog tip. Uh, Justin also likes Sam Alvey as a straight play. And uh, man, I tell you, uh, we'll, we'll see how it all pans out. Uh, before before we go, let's touch base just on a couple other small sidebar items. Also this weekend, we don't have odds on it, but we have Bellator in Newcastle. And uh, East Tennessee's Corey Browning is going to be on that card again, coming off of his upset win over Baby Slice. They brought him out there to fight another celebrity, an Aaron Chalmers reality show star. From the, there, I guess they've got a show that's kind of like Jersey Shore over there, but it's called like Jordy Shore. And this guy's a big deal over there, and he's 4-0. He hasn't really fought anybody. Uh, Corey's going to go over there and try to take that O. Uh, Justin, any thoughts on this uh, before uh, before it goes down in Newcastle? Uh, like I said last time, if, if odds do come out, and, you know, last time Corey was a huge, huge underdog, throw something out there, man. The kid doesn't quit, and... I mean, he's he's there to spoil the party. He doesn't know any better. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And before we go, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this. Oh, you know, we did open scoring for the first time at uh, Valor this past weekend. Of course, those that are familiar, open scoring is where the the score is revealed at the end of each round. Each judge will give their score for how they scored that round uh, at the at the intermission between rounds. So the fighter and the crowd and everyone is aware of where they stand score-wise, and uh, the judges are held accountable for such. And the fighter, uh, you know, kind of has a little better feeling maybe going into the third round if they've got to get a finish, et cetera. It's mixed reactions uh, from on the interwebs. I've seen some detractors. I've seen some people that love it. Uh, I wanted to get both of your uh, guys' thoughts. Justin, you are a judge. Your thoughts from an actual official standpoint. I thought it was good. Um, we had one little mix-up where uh, one one – score was read off for the wrong corner um but other than that everything seemed to have gone off pretty well um and you know from you know i, I was judging it and not fighting but from being in there uh, yeah i think it's it's a you know i think that most of the fighters would tell you that that they they like having that you know it gives them a little bit more motivation uh after every round but you know we'll see as time plays out you may have guys that you know, go into third round coasting because they know that they have it and, you know, end up getting knocked out or, or submitting, submitted because, you know, they think they're just going to ride out a decision. Um, but all around, I think it's I think it's a great idea and, and I think it's going to work out, you know, all for the best. Greg, as a fighter, and also you did commentary this weekend, so you're kind of taking things in from a fan's perspective as well. Your thoughts on the open scoring? Uh, I kind of got mixed mixed feelings about it with the uh, – it, it it makes the fight lose its um uh, uh just the, the suspense to see really who wins in a close bout like that you know at the end of the fight because that's like takes away this and that because you've already got both you know both rounds and if they're tied one and one then 
it's exciting. But if a fighter wins two rounds, it kind of, it kind of, you know, it's just, you have some fighters that are thinking in their head and this is from the fighter's perspective. Well, if I'm a young fighter and I, you know, I'm new and I don't, I don't want it to hurt their, uh, you know, if they think, Oh, the judges are seeing this wrong, this, that, and other thing, they get in their heads, you know, but you know, in, in my opinion, if you want to fight, don't let it go to the judges. So, I mean, if you want, if you want to win the fight, definitely you, you win the fight. Don't let it go to the judges. But, um, uh, I really did enjoy seeing, uh, what the judges thought while like in fight and getting to see all the fighters reactions and the fans reactions because the one judge, the one judge who did, uh, just had the mix up. We, we, me and Tim looked at each other and said, which judge was that? <laughs> said that First off, they oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. First, that was me <laughs> and it was read off wrong. I didn't have anything mixed up. He read the wrong color. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were looking at each other and we said, how in the world did they see that go that way? That was no, it was me, but it wasn't. He, he just read <laughs> off the wrong color. Of course, there no, are man, some, it really little, did. some little hiccups, I think, that can be addressed in it. But I do like it personally. I think that it adds a new wrinkle to things. And uh, really, you know, uh, from fans and from fighters, I've heard pretty positive reviews. The detractors generally tend to come from the officiating side, which is interesting, I think, because it's the officials that are being held, you know, more accountable than ever in this in this regard. Uh, I've, heard, I've read some things where, uh, you know, some of the potential uh, hiccups they that people have brought up are uh, a judge could potentially uh, feel like they're threatened, almost uh, feel like uh, they have to watch over their shoulder in certain circumstances, like maybe uh, not necessarily here so much as, as like in a Brazil or a place like that. However, uh, in my opinion, I mean, they're still going to, if they're going to read the, the, the scorecards off at the end, then that same judge is still going to have his name mentioned in a decision that is not favorable uh, to a fan. If the fan is willing to go to that extent, uh, I would think. Uh, Justin, any uh, any any thought on that, or is it anything where you felt like you needed to to watch your back as you were hit, having your scores read? No, no, I mean that's not really a concern that I ever have any any time. I don't I don't think, but um, I, you know, I, like you say, I mean your 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 scores getting read off at the end anyway. I mean, possibly you know someone who's uh, not not that confident in their uh, in their decision. Maybe, but I, I don't know. For me, I'm, I think I think it was all around good. I mean, it keeps keeps us busy too. You know, there's a lot of times where, you know, we're just kind of sitting there for a long time. You know, not not turning in a scorecard or anything, and this keeps us, you know, keeps us alive and, and active through the whole thing too. So, there's you know some judges that 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 might help keep them awake sometimes. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. It'll be interesting to see how it moves forward. This was an all-amateur card, by the way, so uh, we'll see as we uh, move forward how, how we continue to to use the open scoring or not. Uh, feel free to chime in. Uh, you know, Let us know what you guys think. I'm, I'd, I'd love to hear everybody's uh, take on this thing. Uh, until then, that's going to wrap up this week, man. I, it's been another uh, loaded episode. Thanks so much to uh, to uh, Anthony Cocker for joining me earlier uh, for his interview, and then as well as our uh, panel for uh, recapping Valor. We got Jeff Hobbs and Mark Laws join us, and then, of course, my co-host tonight, uh, Justin Watson, Greg Hopkins. Thank you guys, as always. Next week, we'll, uh, we'll dive into uh, this UFC 234. Let's see, we'll see how it all shook out. We'll see what we've got uh, coming up for uh, next weekend. Let's see, is there a UFC next weekend? Do you guys know? 
Uh, don't think. I think we're we got a week off or two weeks off. Yeah, I think maybe there's Bellator. I think there may be like double Bellator. I think the next weekend. So we'll we'll dive into that and then we'll. Uh, what's that, Greg? I think there's something in the 17th. Let me look real quick because I was I was actually looking at that earlier. I don't know if it's the USC or what, but we're gonna find it right now. Uh, it looks like the. Uh, let's see here. We have the. Um. You got USC on ESPN one. Yeah, we yeah, we do. Uh, yeah, you're right. Sunday, it's a Sunday night card. So, so next weekend we've got two thing. Bellator cards. I think we've got back to back Bellator cards, and then on Sunday night we have a UFC on ESPN, like ESPN proper, not an ESPN plus, and that's Ngannou versus Cain Velasquez. <laughs> oh, I forgot all about that fight. Yeah, is it like Scotty fighting on that card too? Yeah, he is. Okay, well next week will be a whole. He's fight fighting. Card. Um, man, Lit. he's fighting. He's fighting Lentz, I yeah. think. Nick Lentz. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll have lots to cover next week. Very good. All right, till next week. This has been Bauer Hour, episode 101, I think. Uh, till next time, we'll see you guys. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Later. For more information on upcoming events, visit ValorFights.com or find them at ValorFights on both Facebook and Twitter. This has been the Valor Hour. Powered by the law offices of Ogle, Elrod, and Beryl on Radio Influence. This is a Rush the Field Quick Fix on Radio Influence. This week is the second signing period in college football. We have the early signing period. Now we have National Signing Day. And then, of course, uh, there are still players left out there that have not made their decisions. And maybe by the time you listen to this podcast, they will have made their decisions. But who are some of the key players that you find intriguing that they haven't committed just yet? Well, um, Ismail Salser, a defensive tackle from a meet high school in Louisiana, is probably going to go to LSU, but it's down between LSU, Alabama. This is one of the top players in the country. Jerry Ely, a running back from Jackson, Mississippi, that was an Ole Miss commitment, likely going to Clemson. But, boy, he is got really good Major League Baseball potential, probably even more so than, than a guy like Kyler Murray. So we're going to have to watch his future. He's really, really good. Nick Cross, a safety from DeMatha Catholic in Hydesville, Maryland. Uh, no, it's not going to go to Maryland. His dad wants him to go to Penn State. He's interested in Florida State. That's going to be an interesting uh, decision there. Henry Tolto, a linebacker from the great De La Salle High School in Concord, California. It's an Alabama commitment uh, for a long time. He was worked heavily by Tosh Lapoy, who's no longer with Alabama, now the D-line coach of the Browns. So is Oregon in the mix. We're going to see how that plays out. Dornell Wright, a big tackle from Huntington, West Virginia. Can Tennessee hold off West Virginia? Um, I think they can. Likely will. We'll see. Uh, Jaquez Sorrell is a defensive tackle from Winter Park, Florida. That's going to be real interesting in the in the, the, the next uh, uh, couple of days to see where exactly these guys go. But the, the majority of the guys have committed, and it's going to be less intrigue than obviously we used to when this was the signing day. Because, you know, normally what you had was, you know, you had all these commitments, but then, you know, you, you had to sign them all. Now, you know, over 80% of the guys are signed, 
But this is going to be the type of day where you're trying to figure out the next 15, 20% of the players and whether it's going to take a certain class over the top or not. Rush the Field with Scott Seidenberg and Chris Leary can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.